Oh man, I love that music. Christmas carols are some of my favorite. They're just so nostalgic. You come back to them again and again and again. Well, my name is Zach and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch Dallas. And if this is your first time with us, we're so honored that you would tune in uh, wherever you're watching this video, whether it's in a friend's home, a family's home, your home, on your phone. We're excited that you're here and we're hoping that as we go through this, that you are encouraged, you are inspired, that God does something in your life through the music and through the scriptures we're going to look at to bring you a fresh sense of hope bring you a fresh sense of healing, help you to know Jesus because Jesus is what Christmas is all about. If you're a part of our church, you know for the last number of weeks, we've been looking at a particular passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah that is a prophecy about Jesus. It was given several hundred years before he came and it describes who he is and what he has come to do. And it's a particular portion of scripture that Christians have gone back to for generations upon generations here at Christmas time because it helps us connect with the meaning of Christmas and the message of Christmas. And we're going to finish that passage of scripture tonight. So if you'll open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, if you don't have a Bible, the words will be here on the screen and we're going to read it uh, as we get started. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, for to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Such a powerful scripture. And as we've studied it, we've learned that Jesus, this one who would come as a child, is fully God and fully man. That he has the strength, he has the shoulders to carry the weight of the government of your life and mine. In fact, the weight of the government of all of humanity. He is the only one with the strength to lead us like that. He is a wonderful counselor. He's marked by wisdom in his ways. He is an everlasting father. He loves us with a fatherly affection. He's a mighty God. We learned about his strength. He is the prince of peace. The fruit of his leadership is peace. Things being made right and whole. And then we've seen how God is going to set him on a throne and that Jesus' kingdom will know no end. The increase of his government and peace will know no end. He will be king forever. And then the last part of the verse, which we're going to look at tonight, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, you know, zeal is not a word we use very often in our generation uh, it means passion, an ardent pursuit of something, something that you're just so fixed on, so hungry for, so passionate to run after. And when I was thinking about zeal, I was thinking about people that I've known that were zealous for different things. And I remembered when my family first moved to Dallas in 2010, I was leading the discipleship school here at the church. And there was a student in the school named Mike. Mike uh, was and is an awesome guy. I love Mike. Mike loves Jesus. Mike loves people. He worked in banking. And we kind of hit it off because we're both bald. And we just kind of had like a bald guy 
connection. Uh, Mike, though, had a peculiar habit. You know, people would bring food to the school. Most of the time it was fast food, something they picked up on the way over from work. But, but Mike would bring these specialty smoothies. And these smoothies weren't the kind you get at Smoothie King or Starbucks and, and no shade to them. But these were smoothies that looked very different. They were in these homemade mason jars and he was deeply committed to these smoothies. And I was like, man, this guy, a cool guy, he's really into his smoothies because he was super consistent with them. And one night he brought an extra smoothie for me and he gave me it and I tasted it and, and it tasted really good, but it was of a texture that I'd never experienced before. And I was like, what, what, what's in this? And Mike, there was a glow on his face and a twinkle in his eyes. He went through the different ingredients of the smoothie and the nutrients that they brought to whoever was consuming it. And I could tell that I had tapped into a vein of passion, a zeal in his heart for nutrition. So as my relationship with Mike grew, I learned that this passion for nutrition was uh, something that he was committed to 365 days a year. That he wasn't like, well, I'll eat healthy for a couple days and then I'll kind of, you know, go back to fast food. No, he was into it. He would spend inordinate amounts of time and inordinate amounts of money in pursuing and preparing food uh, that brought the maximum health benefits. He was a vegan, which means he only ate vegetables, fruit, and nuts. He only ate things that came from plants. And so as we built a relationship, he shared with me his passion for nutrition. And it was inspiring to me. His zeal was inspiring to me and to my wife. And he invited us one day, he said, hey, do you want to go to the grocery store with me? And I'll show you the different fruits and vegetables that I buy. So we took him up on the offer and we went to the Whole Foods on Park Lane. And I won't ever forget walking through the produce section with him and seeing the passion in his eyes, the zeal in his eyes as he searched for the perfect organic tomato. And holding the tomato up, he looked at it like a groom looks at his bride coming down the aisle on their wedding day. And he began to share with me the nutrition benefits of the tomato in a way that was so infectious that it made me, I don't even like tomatoes, want to start eating tomatoes. And we went through different parts of the produce section as he would talk about the different vitamins and minerals that each fruit or vegetable brought. We had stepped into an area of zeal in his life. I bet you have an area of zeal in your life. In fact, I bet if we looked under your Christmas tree, either through what you're giving this Christmas or what you're receiving, that we might stumble onto something that you are zealous about. Maybe uh, you're zealous about American Girl dolls. Or maybe you're zealous about bikes or video games. Or you get a little bit older, maybe you're zealous about a certain type of grill or clothing or jewelry. You have something that you're just passionate about that you'll spend inordinate amounts of time and inordinate amounts of money pursuing because you just find great joy in it. You're zealous for those things. Well, this passage of scripture uh, tells us what God is zealous about. Not what you're zealous about or what I'm zealous about or what Mike was zealous about, but what God himself is zealous about. And the text says that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Accomplish 
What? What is God zealous for? Well, the secret is up earlier in the passage where it talks about Jesus being the king over all and the increase of his government and peace being no end. That his kingdom would be established on righteousness and justice. God is passionate. God is zealous about Jesus taking his place as king over all and his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. A kingdom marked by peace, a kingdom marked by justice, a kingdom marked by righteousness. This is what God himself is zealous for. This is what he's after. And this is so encouraging this time of year. It's so encouraging, uh, particularly in this year, as we think about the Christmas story. Because this year has been particularly dark for so many of us. It's been particularly heavy as we've dealt with the ramifications of the coronavirus and the self-isolation and the impact that's had on our economy and our mental health and our relationships. Imagine the holidays look a little different for you this year because of the virus. Uh, We've been impacted by the racial Uh, the racism in our nation and the political unrest around it. We've been impacted by the animosity with the election and kind of how that has all played out. It's been a heavy year. It's been a dark year. And why it's so encouraging to me, and I believe it'll be encouraging to you to think about that God himself is zealous for establishing the kingdom of Jesus, a kingdom of peace, and righteousness and justice. It's encouraging to me because it reminds me that the coronavirus doesn't have the final word. That racism doesn't have the final word. That a political agenda of the right or the left doesn't have the final word. But that Jesus, King Jesus, and his kingdom's coming and his kingdom enduring, that is the final word. And that gives me great Hope, it gives me perspective that though it may seem dark right now, though it may seem like we're weary, a weary world from the events of this year, that we can have hope as we look to the future because no matter how dark it is right now, our future is bright because Jesus is king and his kingdom has come and it's coming. And God himself is committed, is passionate, is zealous for the establishment of the kingdom of Jesus. I'm getting fired up as I talk to you. When we think about Christmas, we're reminded that God has stepped into our story. He stepped into our world to bring his kingdom, to provide the leadership that we need and to lead us as our Prince of Peace into peace. As we look to him and as we trust him and as we follow him. And so my hope tonight is that uh, you would look a little deeper uh, about Christmas than just the tree and the lights and the presents. I love all those things. But that you and I would take a moment to remember the deeper meaning of Christmas. That out of God's zeal and God's passion, he has come in Jesus. And he has come to save our world. He's come to establish his kingdom. And we're about to sing a famous Christmas carol, O Holy Night. And it recounts from the Gospel of Luke, it recounts the story of the incarnation of Jesus. It recounts Jesus coming to our planet. 
You're probably familiar with the words, but you might not know the story behind the song. And I want to share that with you today. Uh, it was written by a Frenchman who was requested by his church to write a poem for Christmas. This Frenchman worked in the wine industry, but he was an amateur poet. And so when his church asked him to write a Christmas poem for the Christmas Eve service, he went to the Gospel of Luke and he began to craft and retell the story of Jesus' birth. And when he got done writing the poem, he read it over and he was struck again at the power and the beauty of Jesus and of Jesus' incarnation. And he said, this is more than a poem. This is a song. So he talked to a friend and said, hey, I need you to write a musical score to go with it. They put it together. His church sang it on Christmas Eve and it struck a really deep place in the hearts of the believers there. Well, the song began to spread and catch on. A gentleman in the United States who was an abolitionist heard the song and translated it into English, marked by the phrase uh, that Jesus has taught us to love one another and that he's made a world where the slave is my brother. And so this became a rallying cry, a source of hope for the North during the Civil War to fight for righteousness and justice. In the Franco-Prussian War uh, in 1871, Christmas Eve, they're battling, and then a Frenchman jumps out of his, his uh, trench no weapons, just waves his hands in the air. And everyone is looking at him like, what is this guy doing? And then he begins to sing, oh, holy night. And this holy moment falls on the battlefield. And both sides are moved again by the story of Jesus and what he has come to do. And so they decided that they would call a 24-hour truce in honor of Jesus and in honor of his kingdom. This song, Oh Holy Night, was actually the first song ever broadcast on the airwaves. And as we sing it, I hope that it takes you into looking again at Jesus. Maybe for the thousandth time, maybe for the first time, or maybe just looking at Him again with fresh eyes. And the meaning of what He has come to do, that we would all behold the majesty of Jesus this Christmas and that we'd be impacted by the hope that He brings, that His kingdom brings, and that God's zeal to accomplish the establishment of His kingdom brings.